Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Booyah! Well. Yeah! <laughs> I'm out of the cave! <laughs> we didn't, I didn't expect that. Woo! I was like, I'm so excited. All it. right, they lost the football game. We're used to it already. What are you going to do? You're back. You're, you're back. You're back in the building. <laughs> his, his Bengals won. <laughs> <Yeah>. They did. <laughs> in, a, in a close game. Six and four, right? Six and uh, four. Oh, wow. Wow, uh, there's so much to dissect. The the Browns are three and seven. Woo! The Buckeyes are getting ready to play Game of the Century Part Two. Yes. Yep. We'll split today's show. Mostly Browns. We'll mix in a little Buckeyes Wolverines towards the end. We're going to do a lot of Buckeyes Wolverines as the week goes on because clearly they're relevant and the Browns are not. Welcome to another week of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Uh, if you're scoring at home, the Browns now would have the sixth pick in the NFL draft. Jesus. Uh, but they won't have that. No. That'll go to thankfully. the Houston Texans. There are, there, uh, there's exactly one team in the NFL with fewer wins than the Browns. Let that sink in. Who's that? The Texans. It's the only team in the NFL with fewer wins Everybody than the Everybody else got at least three wins, huh? Everybody else that. is sitting at three. Mm. Damn. And who saw this coming? Uh, but that's where we are. Just another disappointing effort. Totally outplay uh, your opponent in the first half, and you're trailing. Yeah. <laughs> but and you, you get the sense watching it, it's like, oh, I see. They got to pitch a perfect game. Oh, yeah. It's the only way they can win, apparently, is if they make zero mistakes. Well, late no. in the first half, I, I was there, obviously, with Zach Jackson, my partner from The Athletic, and they were up 10-3. And I told Zach, I'm like, they're they're like they're moving some some asses today. Like they're playing well. They had ten first downs at that point to none. Yeah. Dominated the time of possession, dominated number of snaps. But I told Zach, I said, and yet as for as well as they're playing, it's ten three and it can be tied like that. Yeah. I kid you not. Three snaps later, fumble. <laughs> yep. I was like, what? Here, they here were we on go. their way to there make it. Is. I mean, they look like oh, it's seventeen to three here. Yep. There were three huge moments, guys, in the first half, and what was overall a very good huge. first half. The fumble was huge. Yeah. The two drop touchdowns by the Browns of tight ends in consecutive yep. plays. Yep. Both good throws. Both should have been touchdowns. Great throws. And then the the play, which is why I got ticked after the game that Delpit was complaining, when the Browns had the Bills, I think it might have been after the fumble. I can't remember now. It was third and 12. It was third and 12, yep. and they throw that screen pass. Delpit missed the and wide Delpit open field And Delpit misses tackle. the tackle. Wide open field. He makes that stop. You know, any of the – you know, because overall they played a great first half. In the, in the end, the only thing I'll say to you guys is, you guys thought they were going to get killed, so I guess it can't be that disappointing. No, listen, it. I, yeah. I, this, it's exactly what I expected. Yeah. I mean, it was a one-score game, which, you know, you can, at the end of the year, you look at the one-score games right. and say, wow, we weren't far away. Yeah, but they it wasn't were nowhere, really, no. They were nowhere near winning that it football game. They almost, they, they almost got that onside kick. They, they did. did. They that had, ball was right it there. Was Ronnie Harrison's hand. It was in his hands. But in typical Browns fashion, <laughs> they never get a bounce on, when they need On the day that the Jets gagged a game <laughs> against the Browns, you know, that, like, the yeah. Jets stole one from the Browns, yeah. and then they gave it back to New England, and it was right there for Ronnie Harrison at the it end. It was right yeah. there. It was in his hands. Yeah. It actually did take a good bounce. It did. <laughs> he should have had it. 
Yeah. I mean, who knows? But. I didn't like the way they did the first one, the spinner. That's yeah, that was terrible. That was, <laughs> it didn't that even was go 10 yards. No, no, no. That, that reminded me, of, that, that looked like the, the, the show Beyblade. <laughs> Y'all don't know anything about the actual What sign. show? Beyblade. Beyblade? Yeah. No idea what that is. Okay, yes. Were yeah. those the little spinner top things that you would there you go. pull and they'd and they battle go, they each other? Ba- battle bots. You, you twist it and they oh, hit each other. Yeah, I remember Oh, it's a game. Yeah. yeah, yeah My like son has that. Yeah. I thought yeah. you said it was a TV show. No, no, it is a TV show. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But it was just one of those days where, yeah. you know, you realize as you're watching this thing, uh, talent's not the problem. I, I, I still don't think, on, on the offense, it's like, by the way, Jacoby Brissett, for all the question marks that we had about him coming into the year, and we know that he hasn't been able to pull out any late game wins, and it's been those late interceptions that have hurt them in three different games. Mm-hmm. Could we have asked for no. better play from the quarterback? Definitely no. not. Nope. He's, tr- he's been great. He's been phenomenal. And to the point where if he remains the Browns' backup, I would feel very comfortable with that. Like, I would feel very comfortable with him coming in and playing in a stretch one or two games if Watson is ever no injured. I, I just think he's played way above what, where my bar was for Definitely. him. And getting better as this goes. Every week. Yeah, And, and yeah. I'm going to tell you what. Not only is he doing more than we thought he was, he's he's doing it at a peak where I'm looking at the game and saying, even if Deshaun Watson was playing today, how much better could he play than oh, that? Oh, no, come I on. Know, no, no listen, I don't agree with that. No, that, that game? Crazy. Like, like, I'm we, just saying, he, he don't miss these well, passes. He's but. got the sixth best QBR. I don't know. Like, I, we know Watson's better. And we're yeah, not, yeah. Saying, not, not for a second are you intimidated. No, 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 no. He should keep the job. But honestly, because uh, I was asking the same thing. Now, there are games he absolutely would have made a difference. Yes. In, 100%. But yesterday, I don't think was one of them. I would agree with he that. He made some throws yesterday, guys. Oh the, throw? the, 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 the throw to Farrell Brown. Yeah, great. That, that throw. hit him in the hands. Yeah, like he made some throws yesterday that great really throws. makes you look back and say, "Wow, I did not know he could put that ball in that spot." Yeah, throw to and Harrison Bryant was too good of a throw. He had too much on it. Like yeah, I, I know, know he had that kind of arm strength. And he yeah, made good. Crazy. No, he made good throws to Mari Cooper. And Amari Cooper and DPJ both made great catches. Right throughout the day. I mean. No, talent on, on offense is not the problem. Offense in general has not been the problem. Uh, on defense, it's a combination of coaching and talent. And I don't want to hear from Grant Delpit after the game because he's not playing well enough either. No, don't tell he me how to make some are. plays, but but he he that, no. that wide open field tackle that he yeah, missed. I mean, you, that's the play you've got to make. You have tight to end, make that against the tight end at that. It was a, a tight, tight end. end. Yeah, he didn't give him a move. right. He it wasn't Derrick Henry. It wasn't some end. Tyree Kill. You yeah. know, it, it, it's a guy. And I think in that situation, a lot of times it comes down to want to. Yeah. He knows where he's got to get. Yeah. There's one guy in between them. It's it's like you know your early season drills. Yeah, mano a mano. Who wants it more? And I just, I just thought that Delpit looked like he kind of half-assed that effort. Go ahead. I have a question, but we're going to get into Delpit, the defense, in a sec. But this I saw on Twitter this morning, and I'm really curious as someone who doesn't know a ton of Brown's history. Is this a – someone put on Twitter that this – Brissett's on pace for a top-five quarterback season in Brown's history this year. Since 99. Since 99, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, look who they've had. They I, have- I know it's not a great track record. Yeah. No. It's like, you he know. He does have 11 touchdowns and five interceptions in 11 games. It's not like he's lighting the world on fire. No. He's no, lighting he's our expectations of what he would be way out of the water. But is this season for people who have followed the Browns the last 23 years, like, no. that good comparatively to what he's been or, or no, what they've had? No, but just say it's a top five since 99. I mean, when you look at the quarterbacks that they've had through here. It's not much of an accomplishment. It's not much of a stretch. But really. Derek Anderson had the great year. Yeah. You know, obviously. Baker's had two good years. Yeah. That would, that would be looked at as better than this. 
But uh, for me, it's about the touchdowns. Yeah. You've got to throw touchdown passes. I mean, if you're averaging one touchdown pass per game, you're going to be three and seven. Yeah. And his completion Period. percentage is not great. It's it's okay. It's in the sixties. It's better I than I thought. It's, but... it's middle league. It's like 18th in the league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's but adequate. It's just it, 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 you've got to finish drives. And for the life of me, Jason, I'm gonna look to you to start this conversation because I'm I'm absolutely done with this. How can we have a team that looks like a Super Bowl champion on the first drive <laughs> and in the first quarters? Of, we're scoring more points, I think, in the first quarter than anybody. And then, and then, Jay, that same unit, the same players, the same coach, when they scored, my son sent me a text. He's like, wow, is this for real? And I said, no, this is the part of the game where our offense takes a nap. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. 72 Dolphins. <laughs> He's right. For, 15 plays. So for, the rec- for the record, the Browns plus minus in the first quarter this year. Steve, let's get to the plus minus graphic real quick. Uh, it's 34. They have the best plus minus in the first quarter of any team in the league this year. They're plus 26 in the first quarter. When you take this full, you'll see how they fare in the rest of the three quarters. Jay, how do you possibly They're minus 22 in the no. second, minus 18 in the third, minus 19 in the fourth. They're the only team in the NFL that's allowed 100-plus points in any quarter this year, and they've allowed 101 points in the fourth. But in the first quarter, ooh, they're electric. So, I mean, are they only practicing the scripted plays that they're going to use on the opening drive? No, but Amari Cooper did joke yesterday. I think he was joking, said maybe we should script the first 30 rather than the first 15. And, and Cooper made the point of how much that they work on those first 15 plays. Yeah, there's 30 more that come after that that I think they need to spend a little bit more time okay, on. Okay, well, what? just use those 15 over and over again. <laughs> I mean, I'm good with that. Just stick with those same 15. Hey, after, after them 15. But what if Nick Chubb only has two catches in those first 15? That won't is, be any is good. Stefanski, is this proof that Stefanski just goes into conservative mode once they get the lead? No, the other team, understand, the other team understands how to – how to think in the moment. So they're making in-game adjustments like, and the I, Browns yeah, clearly are not. Like they just, some coaches will say, well, we worked on this slant all week. We're not running that no more. Scrap that. We go run this. And they, they draw it up on the board. Do, 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 do. Go run that. That's how it happens. Like, we, you, you know, you can have your scripted plays and you can run them to death. But after those first 15 plays or so, it gets down to, okay, well, what adjustments you gonna make? Yeah, what else? You what got? else you got? Yeah, and then they look at the brown. Oh, y'all ain't got nothing else. And then usually they fall on the default way to go, which is the adjustment. Hey, let's just have a career day on the yard. Bull, how do you explain <laughs> it? On the I, I think I, I really wish I had an answer. I hate not having an answer. I don't have an answer. I, it's all a guess. I want to. I guess. Um, because this is so perplexing to me. I, I, I don't even have a guess. I'm no, it's, to say. It's I can't. Wild. Even, I can't. It's wild. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I, I don't I, I don't believe that it's like what adjustments do they need? It's it's not like they're doing everything the same way or they're running the first drive the same way every week. I mean the first drive is different. Sometimes they're a little more run heavy. Sometimes they're a little more pass heavy. It always seems to work. Yes, and then it almost like when when something goes wrong for them offensively, like those two dropped plays in the end zone. It's like they. It unravels. They, on. It unravels the team, yeah. I, I and and that's on coaching. Yeah, and to be and, fair, that's and, on coaching. And Kevin said multiple times, like we ha- we have to finish. We have to finish drives. You get in the red zone, you got to finish. You got to get six. Can't get three. And obviously the two drop touchdown passes in the end zone, sneaking for it on third and fourth down, going with the sneak. Not I didn't like. I hated that. You're and I'm, I'm rarely center. critical of play You're calling. You're behind a backup center. I didn't have a problem on third down doing that. 
because third, it was like inches. But the chunk, well, they the chunk moved back wasn't on third working down. either. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you needed to do some play fake, or, or, or if, especially if you, you know you're going to go for it on fourth down. And I didn't love yards. it. It was like, a whole, whole Try two. a little yeah. play fake on third down. Now, the backup centers of fair point, and, I, and Zach and I were talking, because Zach said the same thing. He hated it. Sneaking yeah. For it. But, but the only thing I'm going to say is you guys were the ones screaming, well, Jacoby Brissett can't be stopped. Just, just run Brissett. Run yeah. Brissett. Third well, and one, run Brissett. But well, they did a big that part of that. Who's running by? But, but that's, that's a huge And he's part. behind a backup it, center. It's the situation. If you got a backup lineman in center, they already dropped the snap twice before that. Yeah, they couldn't I, even get the snap up. And usually when you get a new center, the first thing that you talk about is a center quarterback snap. The ball has to get up. He's not used to that. Yeah. He's different snaps. So now what you got to do when you're up on the line of scrimmage, you're going to wedge block. You're going to get the snap up. But if you can't get the snap up high enough, he has to hold and hesitate. Yeah. For a split he second. was struggling for a halt and well, center. It's their fourth string center. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They lost down to it. it they is. lost uh, Pochick and Michael Dunn is on IR. Now Michael is yep. really their third center and Dunn's on IR. So they're really down to their fourth center right now. Well, and, and in general, the last couple of weeks, um, the, the offensive line has not played as well. The tackles have not played great and now losing the center. Obviously that's a big deal. And that, and I think that's a big part of their, in a, you know, they they couldn't run the ball at all yesterday. 80 now, yards. Now part of it is uh, teams are just overwhelmingly yeah. saying Jacoby beat us. Yeah. Yeah. And you won't, and that's the thing. They won't be able to do that when Deshaun Watson's there. That is, defenses that, will that, not that, do that. That is correct. Yeah. They you, will not be able to do when that. When you watch the running game, one of the reasons the running game, you know, they, you could tell the defensive line just said, look, he's going to be in the backfield. We don't care whether you run outside zone, stretch, whatever, zone blocking. We're going to be in the backfield. We got three people up there. And at times they had two, three techniques, eagle front. That's your center's covered, two guards are covered. It's almost impossible to run against that. It's not, you, you can't get movement. Everything's stacked up. So they, they did a good job of, of game planning that thing. And then I also want to say, I, I, told, I told Doug McDermott, I saw something the other day. He had a very good Sean, piece. Sean, Sean, McDermott. Sorry, yeah. Sean McDermott. Early in the game, your boy uh, was, uh, Stefan Diggs was upset. Yeah. He goes to him, he pulls up on him, he's talking to him. And you can tell Stefan Diggs, they done lost two games. But Brown's got 10 first downs. They ain't got one, right? And he's telling them I need this rock, but I like what he did. Coach did something. He pulled in close and said, listen, we got something working here. We know that they can't stop the run. We working on something. I promise you we're gonna get the ball to you, but we got to We got to soften them up a little bit right now. They playing above their head. Trust me. We're gonna get you the ball. We'll be cool. Guess what? Stefan Diggs said cool. Boom, boom, boom. Later on in the game, he's wide open in the back of the end zone. Yeah. They get the touchdown. And what that does is that gives that gives your players like. By the him. way, that, there's the diagram of the play. <laughs> yeah. He's only one of the best receivers in the league. There isn't anyone no within five. Look at the Browns are triple teaming the other guy. Triple team. Here comes <laughs> a triple team. What, what is the safety doing? What is the safety? Ivis is going to break this down yeah. for us on the iPad, which now works on Wednesday. So make sure. Uh, you I got to tell you. So I remember week three, we had breakdown, 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 and yeah. Tyvis sat in the chair Jason's in right now, and he said. All this is easy to fix. It's just <laughs> communication. I said, you can assure me right now it's going to be fixed. He said 1,000%. Nope. Here he we are that. week he 10. He said it. He said, no, these are easy things to fix. Here we are week 10. Week 10. He's the best wide receiver on the field. And there's nobody near him. Yeah, that's crazy. That's that's crazy. How that, is Joe Woods still employed? Does he I, get, that's I'm, amazing. Hey, listen, I'm I, so confused. Jason, you and I have defended Stefanski, and <laughs> at this point, listen, I still wouldn't fire Stefanski. I understand the argument why people want to. I get it. Yeah. You can make an argument. There's no defending Stefanski 
unless I know, unless we knew for a fact that he doesn't have the right to do it, there's no excuse for Joe Wood still being a DC at this point. None. Last yesterday, leaving the locker room was the first time where I, I, this is what I wrote. Like they're losing the defensive guys. You could they're, hear they're hundred percent. They're losing, and, you could, and something needs to be like they're risking losing these guys for good. I don't know how he's not fired today. I, he's not going to be. I, I, to are me, you, it's crazy. are you certain of that? Uh, fairly certain, not a hundred percent, but fairly enough certain that I don't think anything's going to happen after the season. As far as you know, the Stefanski ha- can he fire him if he yeah, wants? Yeah, I think so. So then that's on Stefanski. There's and, no reason he shouldn't be. Yeah. I agree with you, boy. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'll be, I'll be thorough. This thir- is crazy. I'll be I mean, th- the guys I, were essentially saying, "Yeah, I'll be thoroughly upset." This yeah. is all on him. I would, but, be, and, and I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair either, but. It's they're they have to run the plays that are set down. And 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 trust me, I talked to a number of defensive guys yesterday, and there is a lot of frustration on that side of the ball towards the fact that nothing ever changes. They just keep doing the same. That, thing over that's and over my and over thing. Again. Like so, make go. an adjustment for crying out loud. They go. were outrushed yesterday, one seventy-one to eighty. He got This go. is a Browns team that has load. They're loaded with running backs. Right. So that just tells against a me team that doesn't run the ball. Against a team that doesn't run it. No. It was they barely most threw of the, for more yards. The Bills threw for one ninety-seven. Right. They ran for one seventy-one. And most of the running yards by the Browns was Jacoby on that. He had that one yeah. play where he had like a huge yard up the middle. The Bills were five yards shy of becoming the fourth. Team to set a team high rushing season against the Browns this season, a rush for a season high. And he's not defense. doing anything to change. Nothing. He, he don't got people by the line of scrimmage. When you watch these all twenty-two tapes, this is you see Miles Garrett sitting by himself over there on, on the bench. You know what? I don't blame him. You know what? Because you know what? What he blatantly telling me is your relationship with your buddy is more important than winning. Your relationship with your friend is more important than loses and wins and losses. Because here's what you tell me. If you know that this guy is causing the defense to play this way and you wait till after the season, I don't respect you. I don't respect you as a man or a coach. I think you're taking some liberties there because I don't think Kevin and Joe are buddies. Well, well they got to go. Wait, I, wait, I, I who agree. was keeping him? He got he got pictures. I, of I him? wrote I wrote today. I mean I wrote it today. It's time. It's time. It's you, you it's gotta, absurd. In order I mean, to save that side of the ball. Yeah. I, I think and it's here's time the to thing. So now it's three and seven. The season's over. Yeah. Sure. But we knew we've been saying this since it was two and two. Yeah. And so you know, like yeah. a lot, the Colts took a lot of grief for you know doing what they did. And by the way, they came within a fourth and two stop of being two and zero oh yep. and beating an eight and one as they lost to the Eagles at the end. When you know it's the wrong fit and you continue to go forward when you know it's wrong, apathy it's, sets in. It's, it's not just yes. from the fans, but from the players, no too. Doubt. It's a dangerous game they're playing right now. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Because the they're brink. losing the fans and they're losing the players. The fans will come back. You they can't, will come back. It's the but players that... You can't replace them all. No. No, and you know what? Does anybody here would anybody here blame Miles Garrett if at the end of this no. season he said, "Move me?" Would well, anyone blame him for that? No, I, I would not. I wouldn't. I don't know that I would blame him, but number one, I don't think it's going to happen. Number two, I think he wants to see what this looks like with Deshaun. Agreed. Yeah. So I think he's excited about having Deshaun and 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 see. But he also knows Deshaun won't be calling defensive plays and he won't be tackling no, people. But I think that they know that there will be changes coming. But I'm, I'm with you guys. It's it's a dangerous game they're playing right I now. And there's a lot of emotion and frustration on that side of the ball. Jason, you spent a lot of time in that locker room. Why do you think Kevin Stefanski will not fire Joe Woods? I think because it doesn't solve anything. 
ultimately. I but, don't. But it, yes, it, it does. You anything. talked about it. it. It's it lets players know that there's a level of accountability. I, I agree. If nothing else, I agree. I'm just telling you what I why I I think that it, they're looking at it as okay. Well, what good is it going to do in the middle of the season? I don't know that they have someone else on that staff who could really hold that role. It don't even matter. It Everybody doesn't get matter. Two hundred yards. <gasps> yeah, I agree anyway. with that because look at what the Colts are doing with a play caller who's never called plays before. Yes. Yeah. So, so you, you don't know until you give somebody so, the some numbers that just jump right off the sheet at you. In his last twenty-five games, Kevin Stefanski's Browns are seven and sixteen. Just seven and sixteen. Twenty-three games. Seven sixteen is twenty-three. Yeah. Okay, yeah. then it's seven and eighteen. Yeah, it's even worse. <laughs> you can't, it's bad. You, you can't look at a situation that you know is broken and do nothing and, and have any credibility. You can't. In hey. sports, it's all about adjustments, both in yeah. game and in season. And during this season, we have watched this defense do the same thing week after week yeah. after week. They're not putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Therefore, they're not getting turnovers and they're not getting sacks it is the least aggressive defense ever. i think i've ever seen ever did you watch the Bengals steelers game i yesterday? did yep and i love how both teams both dial teams, up blitzes i didn't know at the what right was going time. every play you had no idea who was coming and that's why you have a chance in a game like the steelers were are yeah. an inferior team yeah they had a chance because of that yes and, they, and, they were like and, wow look at that blitz. and look at the look at you want to talk about adjustments first half Steelers got no pressure on Burrow at I know. all. None. But they, they changed their defense around. They got pressure on him in the second half. You want to talk about adjustments. How about that, that running play? Burrow's about to hand it off. He sees his running back's going to get crushed. Yes. He takes the ball and keeps it himself. Yeah. And, and it's just like and, – and, and there were a couple times in that game where you saw defensive ends going out with running backs. You didn't know who was going to be where. We get none of that. They, we saw it against the Bengals. We did. That's we the just, only game the whole year we've seen. That's why it. it's so frustrating. Why? Because the why? talent is there. <laughs> Let's see. I just They're lacking some talent the, the on defense, talent is no there, doubt. But their front seven is but deficient in talent. The yes, front it is, seven but is incredibly when, when, deficient. When you have a weakness, if you're a pitcher and teams are hitting 380 off your fastball, but 170 off your slider, guess what pitch you're going to yeah, throw? Yeah. Yeah. And and this team's defense is the weakness is the interior of the line, I and mean, they've done nothing to help. Have other players help Tom, shore it up. Tommy Togi, I hit the quarterback for the first time in a month, and it was a roughing the passer call. <laughs> You're right. It I was. was so mad. At I that. thought it was. The first, I had to I go was, back and look because I tweeted. I think that's yeah. the first time he's hit the quarterback. All I don't year. like his. He actually uh, has two quarterback hits and, this year. I looked it up. Yeah. And by the way, the Browns got lucky too because they had a couple of late hits that didn't get called on the Browns. They're, they're just. And then the thing here too is, you know, Andrew Barry knew what the game was. What, like you, you not obfuscated of any blame. You know what your defense. Is. Everybody in this city talked about it. Your defensive tackles are we getting them or no? And guess what? You didn't. Like and so now you want us to go into the off season and and warm your shoulders up. Oh yeah, we can. We we we're gonna do everything in our power. Nobody wants to come here now. Why as a free agent would you come sign up for this stuff? It looked like it was going to change. But now in players' minds, you think when they called Miles Garrett on the phone, they was doing it last year. They was like, oh, hey, you think I should come? Nah, stay home, bro. Stay home. You're, not, you're never getting another receiver. 
You bear, you traded for Amari Cooper. You traded for some people. Yeah. People ain't trying to come here. Yeah, but Amari Cooper's having a good year. I mean, it's not like he's not being the used. The receivers are not the problem. Yeah. DBJ's having a fantastic year. Amari Cooper's doing fine. Yeah. They're going to have a franchise quarterback throwing to them in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I'm saying they went out and traded for those players. I hear you, G, but ultimately, guys signed for the money. Yeah. I mean, all things being equal, yeah, there's other places fans would ra- uh, players would rather go. Yes. Ultimately, if you pay a guy, he's going to come here. I, I don't buy the guys are not going to come I, here. I, if I'm a defensive player, I'm not coming here. The defensive tackle issue has to be the number one priority. Yeah, the they've gotten it wrong every time. They, I, they signed a guy off the Dolphins practice squad on Monday. He was on the field yesterday. Yeah. He's been here five days. He's on the field. That's an indictment on your, that's an indictment on your whole scouting and, and player personnel. Well, department. so let's talk about that for a second because I'm, I'm confused about um, – like, who really has the key to this organization? That's a very good question. I, I, I don't know, and maybe you can help me figure this out. I do know that Paul D. Podesta is the chief strategy officer. And when you read it in the Browns' bio of what it is that he does, it's, it, without saying it, it says that he is basically providing guidance for the general manager to draft players based on analytical trends within the game. That's pretty much what it what am I am I hitting that right? I, I think that Paul sets up the structure of the organization. I really don't think yeah. he has a lot of input. I could be totally wrong on this. He had no input with Dorsey. He had no input with None. Dorsey. No, I, yeah. I, I think from, from reading it, it what it sounds like is he's he's analyzing trends within the league and I, I this is just my guess. I don't know because they don't tell us. But it's my guess that Paul looks at what the league is doing and says, we need to be really strong guys at defensive back. It's a passing league. Right. So you can see how you could come up with that. But you don't have to pay Paul D. Bidesta to tell you that. Well, here's the problem. They are. And he's been with the Browns for seven seasons. He's the common link between a lot of GMs and coaches. True, but a lot of them weren't listening to him at all. Well, Hugh, see, Jackson, that's the thing. Hugh Jackson never listened to Paul DiBodesta. Well, then John Dorsey he, never listened to Paul DiBodesta. Why was he there? But I wrote that a couple years ago. Like, they've had this guy in the building all these years, and nobody listened to him. Like, okay, DiBodesta so, wanted Sean McDermott, and they didn't hire him. So, who's – someone's got to be at fault there. Well, it's Jimmy. Okay, if you hire a guy, and you tell him, this is your job, and this is what you're going to do. You're going to provide structure and guidance for draft and for player personnel, and they don't listen to him – why was Hugh brought back after an 0-16? They extended him at 1-31. They, they gave him an extension I know after 1-31. So, what, here's all I can do is look at wh- who's there and how long they've been there. Mm-hmm. And Paul has been there now seven seasons. And he is a common link. Whether or not the, the media thinks that they were listening to him or not, mm-hmm. we don't know. Sure, you know, you're going to pick up things as the season's going on, but he's there for a reason. And if he's providing information and insight and they're not taking it, then that's on Jimmy. Yeah. But one way or another, through seven seasons, he's been a common link between four head coaches and three general managers. And the record is 36-62-1. and one. Jesus. <laughs> okay, so I don't know by any standard if your job is chief strategist officer. It is your job to come up with the strategy. Right. And you're 36, 62, and 1, you are fired. And by the way, this seven-year stint with the Browns is his first foray into the NFL. Prior to that, he spent 20 seasons in baseball, where he was widely regarded as the guru of analytics. But when you dive into what his contribution was 
to those five, four or five teams during those 20 seasons. None of his teams ever won a championship. No, he none found, of them. He found a, cu- a cute little way so they didn't have to pay no money to well, nobody. Well, but, but here's the funny thing about that. Well, Moneyball was wide. If Moneyball to me yeah. is one of the biggest frauds of a movie I've ever seen. They they talk about Scott Hatterberg, the yeah. first baseman who, you know, the, the, the normal stats that guys look at, he wasn't good, but he was good here. They, they never talk about their MVP shortstop in Miguel Tejada. Well, but that's not... De Podesta's fault. Hold it's on. the movie. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, Hollywood yeah. glorified the pitching, Moneyball. I know. They didn't but unfortunately, the everybody yeah. watched Moneyball and thought, wow, that's the way to do it. They never talked about their ridiculous starting pitching. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. You never you never hear them talking about their starting pitching. And by the way, they made the playoffs, but they didn't make any noise in the playoffs. The the Guardians do that and, and they do it with a moneyball-esque system. But then at the end of the movie they said so then, uh, a short time after this movie, uh, the Boston Red Sox, using the Moneyball system, went on to win the World Series. They didn't use the Moneyball system. They print money. What are you talking they about? They bought four free agents and spent $200 million, for Christ's yeah, sake. That money, wasn't the Moneyball well, system. Well, Moneyball is, I but mean. The, I'm just saying, the movie's a fraud. But the Red Sox, yeah, the movie, fine. It was an entertaining movie. It was. It was, it was a fine was. movie. I enjoyed the movie. It was a fine movie. But you know what? Yes, it was misleading, the certainly. Fact that, the fact that. It was better than draft day. What, yes. What oh I'm saying, God. it was better than draft day. That's what, what I'm saying is, God. I just think that at some point, the guy's genius credentials need to be renewed. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if Paul DePodesta is a genius or not. I have, I have no idea what his influence is or was. All we know the is he's the only common thread he, in the front well, office. Besides, besides Jimmy Haslam. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Here's the thing I would say. This is the first front office head coach pairing with Paul where they all see it the same way, whether that's good or bad. Well, it's a three and this seven is, way. This is the first time with Paul, Andrew, and Kevin that they all see it the same way. Well, I'm glad they at least all agree on how to be three and seven. Yeah, hey, that's fair right now. Now, they have been the only group that's gone to the playoffs <laughs> right, like, in a long time. But I mean, I'm, I'm, it's I'm, fair to I'm, say no, right I'm, now. I'm about four seconds away from wiping down. To any any COVID wins, these are about to get – it's easy to go out here and play. And COVID and, wins, we're COVID, taking them out. Yeah, them COVID no wins. Ch- LeBron loses his championship. Uh, well, I, listen, that's a COVID win, too. Loses, lo- loses his championship. Because, I mean, how, how hard is it to play in stadiums you're looking with at no it, people? No, you're looking at it the wrong way. The COVID season is the season when there was no interference and there was no noise, and it was just football. It was uh, just the football people – Doing football. I, here's what that I'll was say. The COVID season. It all it's an even playing field. They said show up, play football. We don't even need a preseason. We're gonna start today. Now, when we get everybody involved and everybody gotta practice and everybody gotta go to camp and everybody the Browns are terrible when you gotta everybody gotta do it. Like I am I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't see with the core and I'm about ready to he did not win a playoff game. Can we stop saying that too? Who won that playoff game? Who was yeah, he, he he was in his basement. He's in his basement, dog. Mm. I mean, it's facts. The staff super won a facts. playoff game. It's, I mean, you the can't. staff won a playoff game. You're right. He wasn't there. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't even in the house. He was in the crib in the basement with us. Yeah. Couldn't even call nobody. No. Nope. He was just down there hoping. I hope they. I hope they run play action. Dang it. I was there. I would have. I guess we'll, you Hey, listen. I guess we'll find out next year, right? Is, is Tim with us? Yep. <laughs> we have Tim. What's up, Tim? There he is. Tim, what's your opening hey, salvo on on uh, what you saw yesterday? Uh, you know, just more of the same. You know, I think, um, you know, we <laughs> just like you guys said, it's, the defense oh, just continues every, every week. 
to, 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 to you, at leave you scratching your head. You know, they just can't stop the run. I thought Buffalo did a great job of uh, taking Chubb out of the game. I mean, he only averaged, you know, a little over a yard per carry, which, you know, we haven't seen anybody really shut him down before. So that was that was impressive on their part. I thought Jacoby played a really good game, you know, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, took care of the ball. Uh, but they just can't stop anybody. You know, that, that's the problem right now. You know, teams are just going to be able to run the ball uh, consistently on you. And when they do that, you know, you just, um, you know, you're behind the eight ball. You don't really have a chance to go out and win these games when you, you're allowing that many points and that many yards on the ground, especially. Tim, the defense was saying some – some of the players, Delpit, Miles Garrett, saying some really damning things. Did you see those quotes or did you hear them? Because I, – I just heard that they had said something. I didn't really yeah. see what they said. I know Miles uh, – Here's the Miles, Miles Garrett say? quote right here, Tim. Here we, Let's take tag board for I'll read it for you. This is a quote from Miles Garrett yesterday. We got to make sure that we don't waste the talent we have in this room right now. We got to do our best with it. And he's growing impatient with the fifth quarter – uh, lack of import, uh, lack of execution in the fifth quarter. So, okay, in practice. My question, Tim, is if you're Kevin Stefanski, if, if you, if Jason was in the lo- is in the locker room all the time, he felt like yesterday was the first time that they're starting to lose the defensive players. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you owe it to the team to fire the DC at this point? I mean, he's he's underachieved big time in his three years here. The defense is the you know by far the number one reason why they've been as bad as they've been overall. Don't you think a change is warranted at this point? I know you're, you don't want to call for guys to be fired, but can you – do you think some of the players are thinking, how does this guy still have a job? And how bad yeah, is you know, that? I think it's uh- – I think it's, it's certainly justified right now that you got to make a move. You know, I think players are probably, you know, wondering the same thing. You know, in this league, you know, we see so much turnover. You know, when, you know, guys aren't having success, they're not afraid to, to move guys out and, uh, and bring a new guy in and start, and start a whole new system. So, I, it, you know, it's hard to understand why, it's, uh, you know, why it hadn't happened yet. You know, you know, we've seen the Browns go through a lot of assistant coaches, head coaches, general managers, everything. You know, we've seen a lot of turnover within this organization over the years. So, um, you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, the, the players are probably wondering that at this point. It's just been it's just been a consistently, you know, they, they've consistently let you down all season long. You know, this team should have several more wins the way they've played offensively. And, you know, the way they've just collapsed, uh, you know, in late game situations has been uh, it's been horrendous this year. You know, it really has. And, you know, like Miles said, there's a lot of talent on that defense. There's a lot of, you know, very highly paid guys, uh, you know, on that side of the ball. There's some really good football players. But for whatever reason, they're just not playing up to the expectations expectations that we all have for them on the side of the ball. You know, I really thought that coming into the season that the defense was going to be outstanding. You know, I thought that the, you know, the defense and the run game was going to carry this football team, but it certainly had been the case on that side of the ball. Tim, have you seen a coach lose the trust and faith of his players, of his unit? And what does that look like? And is there any chance to get it back? Yeah, I have, you know, I've, I've been part of that situation, um, you know, at, at times and, and it gets tough, you know, you just lose that credibility when, when things aren't working, uh, you know, when you go out there every week and you're just not making, you know, not making plays, you're not playing up to uh, the standards that you think you should be playing at as a defensive unit or an offensive unit. It's just hard to sit in those meeting rooms week after week after week and just trust what the guy's putting in, you know, installing in front of you, you know, you just start questioning you know, are these things really going to work? What are we doing? You just you just kind of start questioning everything that he's that he's kind of teaching uh, in those rooms. So you can lose a room, absolutely. 
Uh, I think it's probably at that point right now where guys are really starting to question what they're doing defensively. Um, and, you know, why aren't they being more aggressive? Why aren't they, you know, better tacklers? Why aren't they getting after the quarterback more? Why aren't they creating more turnovers? You know, all these questions start to come into your head. And, and you do start questioning, you know, the leader of that group, which is a defensive coordinator. So I, I would say that, uh, you know, I've certainly been there. It's very tough as a player to, you know, to, to keep your hope and keep your faith and believe in, in what they're putting in and teaching and the game plans they're putting in front of you. So I'm sure there's probably a little bit of that going on in, uh, in the locker room right now. Can you get it back? Is it possible to get it back or once it's gone, it's gone? You know, I think it's tough to get it back. I really do. You know, once guys kind of check out mentally and they stop believing in what's what's going on and what's being taught within the building, I think it's very difficult to get it back. I've never been in a situation where, you know, guys kind of turned on the coordinator and felt like this isn't working for us, this isn't the right system, and then I've never seen it really come back before uh, in my experiences. But, um, you know, I think I think that'd be very difficult. I think, you know, like I said, once – once guys stop believing in a, in a in a particular system, it's very difficult to get them going in the right direction, especially, you know, this late in the season. You know, Tim, my, my you know, I, I like Bull, I echo what he said. You know, sometimes I look at these these coaches and, and I don't know if they look at the other regimes. They don't do they look at what other people have done that came before them. Like if I'm coach Stefanski and I'm looking at what happened under Hugh Jackson, or I'm looking at happened under Pat Shermer, or I'm looking with Mangini. A lot of these missteps that he's, that he's going through, he could have learned from other coaches, right? The first thing he could have done is said, hey, look, I'm holding y'all accountable. First thing all you do is go, hey, hey Joe, I, I thank you for your contributions. We got to make a we got to make a move. You, you hold a team meeting with, with, with the team and say, look, I coaches hold each other accountable. I need my best players in here, whether it's Miles Garrett, Joe Batonio, uh, Dick Chubb. I need y'all to hold people accountable in the locker room. If you see somebody ain't, ain't, ain't in his playbook on the pad, if you see somebody that ain't busting their ass on the field, guess what? You got I'm, I'm giving you free reign to go talk to him because we got to be lockstep. But when you keep guys around, I, they looking at you like, why am I out here? doing this. I'm putting my body on the line. You know, it's, it's a thing called CTE now, right? Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm out here putting my, my body on the line. I might not even be able to recognize my wife and kids in, in three, four years. And we doing this to get it to a common goal, but we got people holding us back. I just can't do that. I, I don't understand why he doesn't understand that, man. Yeah, it's tough to figure out. You know, I think, um, you know, you, it's like we talked about, you know, the players, once they stop believing in something, you can definitely kind of feel that energy, that lack of energy, I should say, uh, you know, that, in that lack of hope and belief, they're not playing with, a, you know, a lot of emotion, a lot of excitement. So it's, um, you know, it's just, it's just been, uh, you know, like I said, consistently, you know, disappointing all season long, the way they've played. And it just continues to get worse and worse every week. And you can kind of see the players kind of stepping back a little bit each week and, and stop believing in what they're doing and, and not putting forth the effort that you want to see from them. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, what's, you know, how they feel internally in the locker room about, you know, the staff, you know, and what's being taught. And they're just not believing in the system. It's not right for them. They're not doing, they don't feel like they're being put in the right situations to make the plays they're capable of making. And, and once that starts to happen, man, it, it just goes downhill really quickly. And, you know, like you said, it's a, it gets to be a really frustrating thing for the players. And they start to question, you know, why are we doing this? Why am I out here putting my body on the line? You know, especially this late in the season, we got a horrible record. We're not going to the playoffs, but I continue to come out here and work hard every week. And, you know, we put these bad game plans in for our, uh, you know, for our defense and, and uh, it's just not going the right way. So it is very, very difficult to stay focused and, uh, and to continue to play at, at, at a certain level when that starts to happen. Tim, Miles made some comments about not being happy with the practice pace. 
and you know, not you know, it basically saying that you know it, a lot of this is happening during the week. Mm-hmm. I, Robert Smith was on last week, and he said something that was fascinating. He said that when he looked back at his Vikings teams, particularly the one that was fifteen and one, had a lot mm-hmm. of talent. I mean, talent everywhere you looked. He said that Chris Carter used to tell the guys, if you're not sure what the pace should be, look at me. L- look to me. Because Chris was a guy that practiced just like he played. John Randall was another guy that, uh, you know, they- they've said both Robert Smith and Leroy Horde. Leroy said he hated practicing against him because it was like he was playing a game every single day at practice. Who is most responsible for setting the tone at practice? Because clearly with that Minnesota team, it was Randall and Carter on the offense and defense respectively. And you've got the team, the guy that's probably the best player on the team complaining on Sundays that the practice pace isn't good. Is, is that more on him as a leader or is that more on the coaches and Stefanski? You know, probably a little bit of both, but I really do believe it has to be that way. The leadership has to be from within. You know, the best players on the team have to set the tone in practice, you know, because, you know, like Chris Carter said, or like Robert Smith said that Chris Carter used to do, the guys are going to look, when they don't feel like practicing, when their bodies are beat up, you know, the season isn't going well, they're going to walk out on the field. They're going to look at the best players and say, how's this guy practicing? What is the pace that we need to set for today? And if guys like Miles and, and Chubb and, and Batonio and all these guys that are out there that they're looking to, aren't setting the tone, then that's certainly going to set the pace for the entire practice. And that's what guys are going to go off of. So I, I always feel like it should come from within, from with, uh, you know, from your best players. If your best players are your hardest workers, I think you, you always have something to, uh, to go off of. But when, you know, I don't know how those guys, and I'm not calling those guys out saying they're not working hard in practice, but you know, if miles is saying that, then you certainly have to question, you know, are they, are they not, you know, setting the tone, you know, are they not getting guys motivated uh, to go out and practice? Are they talking in the meeting rooms? Are they motivating guys and saying, you know, we, this is what we're going to do today. We're not going to go out and, and go half speed. You know, this is going to be a full speed practice. we got to, you know, practice like we're going to go out and play the game. So, you know, your best players definitely have to set the tone. I would certainly agree with that. Tim, one positive for this team has been the play of Jacoby Brissett. He's been, you know, surprisingly pretty good so far this yeah. year. He's got one more start before Deshaun Watson takes over. Somebody tweeted it yesterday and said to me, uh, you know, I think Jacoby made himself a lot of money. I, I, I don't know. I Do you think he's... I don't think he's guaranteed a starting job next year. Do you think he's competing for a starting job? I mean, what do you think? Do you think he will be ultimately a starter in the league next year, or is he still better off as a backup? You know, that's a tough question. I think that I think he's proved that he certainly belongs in this league. That's for sure. You know, a guy that, uh, you know, was kind of seen as a backup, but now he's had the opportunity to start here in Cleveland with with Deshaun's situation. I think he's played tremendous football. You know, you really can't ask much more from this guy from what than than what he's than what he's given you this year. So he's certainly shown that he's capable of of being a, a really good player in this league. And, you know, you look around the league and there's a lot of starting quarterbacks that, you know, you question, are they really as good as Jacoby Brissett? Like, I, I don't know. If, I think he, he probably is better than you know, a few of the starting quarterbacks in this league. So, uh, but either way, yeah, you know, they're, they're, you can go you know, a few teams and just say, you know, I think I think Jacoby could compete with that guy. You know, I really yeah. do. Um, you know, so he certainly um, earned a lot of respect around the league. I think he's opened a lot of eyes. Um, you know, I really I'm really impressed with him. You know, I, I really am. I think he's throwing the football accurately. He's taking care of the ball for the most part. I think, you know, we saw yesterday him running the football uh, very effectively at times as well. So. You know, I think he's done a great job. He's done, uh, I think he's exceeded expectations for what I had, for what he was going to look like, what this offense was going to look like without Deshaun. So I've been really impressed with him the whole season. I really have. Tim, games in this league are won in the fourth quarter. 
They most <laughs> most of your games are one score games. It's it's it's, yeah. it's pretty. I think that's the the common thought in the NFL is if you can keep it to within a score, you you have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. Steve and McNuggets, can we get that point differential by quarter? One of the things that we can't figure out, Tim, is how this team looks like, uh, you know, the New England Patriots with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in the first quarter. They're outscoring their opponents by 26 points. But look at what happens after the first quarter. They're getting outscored soundly in the second, third, and fourth quarters. How do you explain that? And one more point to that before you go, Tim. That fourth quarter number is a little inflated because of a couple garbage time touchdowns. Right. Yesterday. Well, I had one yesterday. And right. a couple weeks ago. Sure. It's actually not and, as close and, to the fourth and, quarter. Tim, I'm, we're going to throw seven questions on you. What is the difference between you scripting those first plays and after the script, what are you right. doing after that? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to start with right there. You know, we've seen the Browns, you know, come out against Miami a couple weeks ago. We saw it yesterday uh, yesterday as well. The first drive of the game, they come out and you look like, oh, my God, these guys are on fire. They're going to put they're going to light up the scoreboard. And then, you know, teams make adjustments and they, they slow down and the thing starts to turn. And you got to think that's coaching, right? You know, you they, they talk all week. It's like this script is great. You know, this first whatever they do, I don't know how many if it's 10, 15 plays whatever, they come out in that first script and they look awesome. And then they kind of go away from that game plan after it worked perfectly. Uh, and then they totally change what they're doing. And I'm not sure what that is. And then, But you see the teams, especially, you know, at halftime, they go in and make these adjustments. And for whatever reason, the Browns aren't making the adjustments with them. And they kind of, you know, get the feel out of that first 15 plays. Okay, this is how the Browns are going to attack us today. So we're going to switch what we've, you know, had game planned. Obviously, that wasn't going to work well. And they, they make the necessary adjustments. And certainly, uh, you know, as the graph shows, the Browns aren't, uh, aren't making the adjustments with them. Practice has changed so much even from when you played in terms of the amount of time mm-hmm. guys can be on the field and everything else. But was, yeah. was scripting the first 15 plays a thing when you played? And how much – how do you go through a weekly install of installing the game plan? How much time is spent on those 15 plays? And then how much time is spent on – the rest of the game yeah you know I think it's a good question you know when I was when I was in Cleveland Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator and we certainly scripted our first 15 plays and uh, you know we took it we, we, we talked about those 15 plays all week long and we and it was more than just you know we're gonna run these plays it was like we're gonna show them a lot of different formations a lot of shifts a lot of motions and we're gonna get a feel of how they're going to line up to our three by one set our empty set our, you know, whatever, how we, if we motion, uh, motion from two by two to a three by one, how are they going to adjust to it? So we were trying to get a feel for their coverages, you know, what they were going to do in certain situations. So we were just trying to show them a lot of stuff uh, early on, just kind of get a feel for how they're going to try to attack us and try to try, try to defend us. So we, there was a lot of time that went into that, um, you know, during the week with me sitting down with Bruce and uh, going through those plays and, and talking about what do I feel comfortable with and what, what I don't feel comfortable with, you know, then it would get, go down to the red zone, uh, the blitz packages. If there are plays that I just didn't, you know, I necessarily wasn't, wasn't seeing well, didn't feel good about it, Bruce would throw the play out. We just wouldn't call it. You know, he only wanted me to run what I felt extremely comfortable with. And, you know, I think that's, um, you know, I don't know what the Browns do uh, during their week with, the, with Jacoby and um and, and the offensive staff but that's that's what we did back when i was there and i i felt really good about that uh, our system that we had in place i felt really like i was on the same <laughs> offensive coordinator i could communicate with him and he, he he knew what i liked what i didn't like and uh, he was calling the place that best fit what i what i was able to do so play 16 through 44 were they predicated off what defenses showed you on one through 15 or did you have some uh, sort of so, idea what you were going to call right. going into the game 
Yeah, I think somewhat. Uh, you know, also, you know, it was predicated off of, you know, what we saw on film and what they've shown on film consistently throughout the season as well. You know, if it was, you know, whatever the, the situation is in the game, whether it be red zone or, or you know, short yardage or, or goal line, whatever that, you know, we've, we've seen, uh, you know, their blitz packages, whatever we've seen them show on film. Also with what we've seen in this game, you know, obviously teams adjust week to week. So we kind of would take you know, both of those uh, scenarios and, and try to call the right play for the, you know, what we were seeing and what we kind of felt like they were going to play. So uh, there, there, was, there was a little bit of both of that going on. Tim, great stuff as always, man. We appreciate it. Thanks All for right, joining us. Appreciate it, guys. Tim, have a great Tim. Thanksgiving. Right, Thanks, Tim. Have Thank a good you, Jay, Thanksgiving. You guys. Yeah. Enjoy your family Thanks. and uh, <clears throat> enjoy the week.